0: Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's Precious Metals News. It's Friday, April 10th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So yesterday was yet another prime example of the stock market being completely detached from any kind of economic reality. We got the latest unemployment numbers. Another 6.6 million Americans applied for unemployment last week. That brought the three-week total to nearly 17 million people. That's 10% of the U.S. labor force filing for unemployment in three weeks. 10%. And, you know, this certainly understates the number of people who have actually lost their jobs. I mean, not everybody files for unemployment, and the the system is overwhelmed. So there's a significant lag in filings and processing. On a side note, did you hear that they are looking for COBOL programmers in New Jersey? This is a computer programming language that was used in the 1980s. Apparently, New Jersey's unemployment system is on a mainframe computer system that runs on COBOL. This is another fine example of government efficiency. You know, these are the people Americans are trusting to guide them through these troubling times. Eesh. Anyway, we got these dismal unemployment numbers that were even worse than projections, and the stock market rallied. The Dow Jones was up like 285 points yesterday. In fact, overall, the U.S. stock market had a dandy week. The S&P 500 had its best week since, I think it was like 1974. So the economy is shut down. 10% of the job force has lost their jobs in just three weeks, and the stock market is rallying. How can this be a thing? Well, there are a couple of things going on here. In the first place, I think your average guy or gal on the street actually believes that the economy is just going to restart When the politicians snap their fingers, they still believe this myth that the economy was so strong before coronavirus. And this is just a blip on the radar because of the pandemic. Once house arrest is over, everything's going to open up. 17 million people will just waltz back to work and life is going to go on as before. They're still focused on the pen and they can't see the bubble deflating in the background. And then you have the Wall Street people and the financial news network pundits who think all of this stimulus is actually going to blow the bubble back up. I mean, it worked in 2008, right? Except it didn't, but they think it did. And the expectation is driving the stock market higher right now. It's like a bike tire with a great big hole in it. The air is coming out, but there's this guy with a hand pump and he's pumping that thing for all it's worth. He's actually pumping the air in faster than it's coming out. But the problem is, the tire still has a hole in it. As soon as the dude stops pumping, the thing is going to completely deflate. And I've got to be honest, I'm not sure how much more pumping our brave little tire pumper can do. But give him credit, the Fed is trying with all its might to keep pumping. Yesterday, the central bank announced even more stimulus to the tune of $2.3 trillion. Right there. Right there is how the stock market can go up when the economy is suffocating. This new round of stimulus is set to support states, counties, and cities. The Fed is committed to hundreds of billions of dollars in loans to mid-sized businesses. It will purchase short-term notes directly from states, counties, and large cities. The central bank also announced that it will buy investment grade and junk bonds. I mean, hey, why not? It's buying everything else right now, right? The next thing you know, the Fed is going to be paying allowance to school kids. When the Fed was engaging in all of this market intervention after the 2008 meltdown, it was described as a bazooka. One analyst I read called this latest round an atomic bomb, and he said, quote, It seems inconceivable that this gargantuan economic and monetary stimulus from the U.S. government cannot cause rising and even problematic price inflation down the road. That almost seems like an understatement, to be honest. But hey, don't worry. Jerome Powell said he thinks the economy is going to, quote, make a pretty quick rebound once social distancing measures are lifted. And then all of this stimulus is just going to, poof, go away. Powell actually said that. He said that the central bank will put its tools away. You know who else said that? Ben Bernanke, when he launched QE1. Remember? It wasn't debt monetization. After the crisis, the Fed would sell all of the bonds and shrink its balance sheet. Interest rates would normalize. Never happened. I mean, they tried. And as soon as the stock market showed signs of protest, Jerome Powell opened up the bar and started serving drinks again. Three rate cuts last year. The QE that was never to be called QE. All of that happened before coronavirus. I know, I say this every week, but I can't emphasize this enough. Not going to happen this time. I mean, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, shame on all of these mainstream dopes who think that this is just going to go back to normal. The only sign of sanity was in the gold market. It had a nice rally and actually pushed above $1,700 an ounce for a short time mid-morning yesterday. It couldn't quite hold that level though. But right now we're right on the doorstep. As I record this podcast, gold is trading at, uh, I believe, 1698 an ounce. You know, gold has kind of been in this tug of war. I've talked about before how it dropped well over 25% in the early days of the 2008 financial crisis before QE started to bite. We've seen that this time as well, except it hasn't dropped nearly as much. I think mainly because we were already getting QE inflationary bite from the measures Powell took last year to keep the air in the stock market. In fact, those who want to scoff at gold right now should consider that year to date, as of yesterday, gold was up more than 15% versus a more than 14% decline in the S&P 500. And gold is already breaking out into new all-time highs against most currencies except the U.S. dollar. You know, the dollar's the strongest fiat currency left. It's the healthiest horse in the glue factory. You know, in fact, gold was actually making record highs in a lot of currencies before coronavirus showed up. I mean, last year. So anyway, there has still been this tug of war between gold as a safe haven and the rush to liquidity in order to cover losses in the stock market. With all of the monetary stimulus coming down the pipe, gold is starting to catch that bid. Now, I still expect a lot of volatility in the weeks ahead, but the amount of money being pumped into the system. You know, you hear this term unprecedented thrown around a lot. The amount of inflation right now is unprecedented, and by inflation, I mean Increase in the money supply, the, the literal definition of inflation. How this doesn't result in m- massive price inflation down the road, I don't know. At any rate, this is the in- ideal environment for gold. Gold is an inflation hedge. And if ever you needed an inflation hedge, it's now. Peter Grosskopf, who is the chief executive asset manager at Sprott, said that he sees $2,000 gold this year. I thought his analysis was spot on. He said, quote, There is too much debt at all levels. We have borrowed from the future, and there is not enough economy to pay it down. That equation requires much more financial repressing going forward, and gold is a great hiding place from that process. End quote. Too much debt. That's almost an understatement too. And this whole stimulus process, never forget that this is just creating more debt. That's the whole point. Borrow, 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 borrow. And we are already levered up to historic levels. We were eyeballs deep in debt before coronavirus. It's hard to even imagine what this is going to look like when all is said and done. Okay, so here's a question for you. What's the exit strategy here? What's next? I mean, we can't go on like this forever, can we? I don't really want to get into the medical aspects of coronavirus. That's not my wheelhouse. I have my opinions. Just suffice to say, I think the government has overreacted. Regardless, the dirty little secret is that COVID-19 isn't going to just go away. There will always be a risk of catching this virus, right? Trump Health Advisor Anthony Fauci said that the world may never get back to normal, even if scientists find an effective vaccine. He said, gradually, we'll be able to, quote, function as a society. But you're absolutely right. If you want to get to pre-coronavirus, that might not ever happen in the sense that the threat is there. So coronavirus is always going to be with us, right? So what are we going to do? Are we going to lock down the entire world every time the virus cases surge? If so, at what cost? I mean, that's the key question that policymakers have completely ignored. You know, every decision comes with costs and benefits, right? A good decision maker balances both. They look at both the costs and the benefits. Politicians are not good decision makers. They have rushed headlong into shutting down the entire economy with virtually no considerations for the ramifications. I've said this before. The economy is life-sustaining. Somebody needs to step up and count the cost, but I don't think you're going to do that. We're just in uh, a panic-induced rush to the next step. But it almost seems as if people don't believe this massive intervention into the economy and into the very fabric of society itself is going to have any long-lasting ramifications. I mean, I've already touched on this, right? The economy isn't a race car. It doesn't stop and start on a dime. It's more like a long freight train. It will take months for it to get rolling again. I mean, this would be true even under normal economic circumstances. And we didn't have normal economic circumstances before coronavirus reared its ugly head. The economy was a big, fat, ugly bubble blown up by Federal Reserve monetary policy. It was already showing signs of cracks long before the coronavirus lockdowns. The Fed was already engaged in extraordinary monetary policy before coronavirus. We had three interest rate cuts in 2019. We had repo operations and the quantitative easing uh, last year. The coronavirus popped the bubble. Most people continue to stare at the pin even as the bubble deflates in the background. You know, I know I, I've said this before. I said it at the beginning of this podcast. I've said it over and over, and I'm going to keep saying it because virtually nobody seems to get it. Meanwhile, the Fed has doubled down. It has put the policies that blew up the ugly bubble in the first place on hyperdrive in a desperate gamble that they can reflate the bubble. The Federal Reserve's balance sheet increased to a record $6.13 trillion this week. It's already over $2.2 trillion bigger than it was at its previous peak in 2015. I mean, these numbers are so big, they don't even really have any meaning, right? And we've only just begun to see the impact of this massive monetary stimulus program. I mean, we're going to see a $10 trillion balance sheet, I'm pretty sure. What's the Federal Reserve's exit strategy? How will the Fed ever shrink its massive balance sheet? It couldn't do it after the 2008 financial crisis. What in the hell makes anybody think it can do it this time around? There was no exit after 2008, and there sure as heck isn't going to be one now. At least last time, they pretended like there was an exit strategy. Nobody's even really talking about it other than Powell's vague promises that he's going to put their tools away. Okay, so here's a list of questions that I've come up with that I haven't heard anybody ask that I think people should maybe consider. How will businesses and individuals taking out all of these loans ever pay them back? How much will the massive federal budget deficit drag down future economic growth? How will all of the borrowing impact the bond markets? Are we all going to wear masks every time we go outside for the rest of our lives? What happens to the stock market when the Fed starts trying to raise rates and shrink its balance sheet? How will social distancing impact society over the long run? How will all of this debtor survive if and when the Fed tries to normalize interest rates? How many businesses that government forced to shut down will never reopen? Who will hire the millions of unemployed? How many people in the margins will be pushed into poverty? Will all of this money printing crash the dollar? Are we going to have a dollar crisis? How many temporary government powers seized during this crisis, and I'm using air quotes around temporary, will ever go away? How long will the extraordinary monetary and fiscal stimulus last? And for God's sakes, what is the exit strategy? What next? I don't have answers to these questions. All I can say is you had better be prepared for what's next because there ain't no exit strategy. If you want to talk with somebody about how you can do that, how you can be prepared, how you can shield your wealth, Call a Shift Gold Precious Metals specialist at one eight 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 cold 160 or email info at and those guys can help you out. Okay, so I'm running long today, and that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast at iTunes on Stitcher on Google Play and on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. Links to all that stuff is on the show notes page along with show notes. So I hope you have a great week. Have a happy Easter for those of you that celebrate it. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.